Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Good to see all of the smiling faces. This morning, message I want to share, the title of it is Divine Delays. Divine delays. Have you ever had a delay in your life that was a little frustrating, a little tough, a little challenging? So here's the thing. (laughs) I'll wait. I'll give you a delay here just to think of that just for a moment. It's interesting because basically there can be three categories in this, and I believe every one of us fall in in one or more of these categories. It's either the pre- delay status where you're about to go into a delay in your life that is not real comfortable or maybe unexpected, or you're right in the middle of what you see as something that's a delay in your life, something that, man, something needs to change. Something's got to work out. Something's got to give here pretty soon, and it's just this period of delay. Or maybe you just came through it, and you're on the other side, and then you look back and you go, wow, yeah, now I understand. Now I see why. So often there's things that happen in our life and we question. And the challenge for most of us is when we're in the middle of the delay, we're in the middle of the challenge, the problem, we're in the middle of suffering through something, whatever it is, we're in the middle of it. That's the hardest part because we don't know what's on the other side of it. And it can be challenging for us. And I felt like this morning God just wanted me to encourage and share a couple things in regards to this. I recall back about 12 years ago, I really felt like God had spoke to me and encouraged me in the area of going to the city, and which I had no idea what I was doing, and I've told this before here, but just say, I feel like I'm supposed to be a chaplain. I just don't know what that means or anything, and through this whole thinking process, I thought, I'll just go in there. They'll say, oh, yeah, here, We'll sign you up, and you know you can go to this training, and yeah, we'll have you as a chaplain. Well, it didn't work that way at all. In fact, I was kind of rejected, not negatively, but no, we don't need chaplains. Okay, 10 years goes by. That's a long delay sometimes, right? 10 years goes by, and instead of kind of what I thought and what I was thinking, I was hearing God, because sometimes we question, well, God, why would you put that in my heart, but yet it didn't happen? Because we walk away from something and like, God, that didn't work out the way that I thought that it should. Or I thought you spoke to me and said that to me. Obviously, maybe I didn't hear you right. But then he come, at some point, that delay, he comes and he brings an answer. And it's so different than what we expected. And in this situation, then I'm getting these people calling me or contacting me and saying, we want you to be the chaplain. I thought, okay, this is what I was experiencing or feeling 10 years earlier, but now it's a reality. And I look back and I see, I see God in every step of this and it makes sense to me. But when you're in a delay of something, it doesn't make sense and it's, we struggle with it and it's a challenge. I want to tell you a quick testimony. Many of you maybe been following the situation with the Thurston County deputy who's up at Harborview Hospital up there who, while he was on duty, ended up with a stroke and and so forth. The doctors, neurologists, all of them said, no, there's absolutely no chance that this guy is going to recover. He was in a coma, and they said, even if he does wake up, 
told the family he's going to be a vegetable the rest of his life. No chance of any sort of hope here. You need to start thinking about making some plans in regards to this. And that's tough for any family. And I had been communicating back and forth with a couple of the family members via text. And just sensing, wow, there's somewhere in this family, and which is a huge dynamic of this, there is some people who are really praying and seeking God and holding on to hope. And they made a decision and told the doctors, no, we want to continue to, we believe, let, we're going to hold on here. We believe God's up to something here. Well, bam. It was like amazing thing just last week or last weekend where I, I got this text. I read it two or three times like, I can't believe this. They said he woke up from the coma. He's alert and able to communicate a little. He's obviously has some things that he's really got a long ways to go in, but it just shocked the doctors, shocked everybody. And to think, you know, there's a lot of things ahead for this gentleman, but what I'm seeing underlying is the power of God, the power of prayer, family, and it spread like wildfire, really. If you've paid any attention to this and watched it, there's some good things that God is doing. You know, we get in, the, in some of these situations, and they're tragedy, they're painful, they're, they're heartache, and we like, God, where are you in this? This doesn't make sense that this is happening to me or to my family member or whatever. And then we begin as we go through the middle, because we get in this middle of stuff, and it's the unknown, and it's so stressful at times. We don't know. And we kind of get through this, and then we start to begin to see the bigger picture of God's plan in that. And uh, I sense that God is, man, there, there's something that he's doing. He's stirring afresh, and God is, he's in every one of our circumstances, every one of our situations. He's in the middle of it with us, and that's a good thing. Amen. So, Lord, this morning, I pray, as we go through a couple of things here this morning, that you would show each one of us, God, wherever we're at in our Maybe it's a crisis situation. Maybe it's just a challenge that we're facing. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's housing. Maybe for each one of us, it's different. It's health for some. But God, we know that you're in the middle of the storm, whatever that is, God, and we can trust you. And we sang this morning, and we heard this morning how much you love us, that you love us so much, God, and you have favor for us. And Lord, we're trusting in you this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Habakkuk, or if you want to say Habakkuk, however you want to pronounce it, is a book in the Bible. Chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says this, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fail and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. How is that even possible? When everything's hopeless, everything's dead, everything doesn't seem to make sense, how could this ever be good? Yet, yet, there's something that God is doing in the midst of this. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I believe God is teaching us things as we go through stuff. And the one thing we know, he's right in the middle of it with us. So often, we want him to rescue us out of that, and that's great, and I love it when he rescues me, and he, we love it when that happens, but that doesn't always happen. There's times where he says, I'm just going to walk through this with you. There's something greater I have in store, 
a bigger purpose, and we don't understand it. Our little minds that, are, that don't understand the whole thing. So we're, we're in that process of saying, God, we have to trust you, and we have to be joyful in the salvation we have in you. In the middle of the storm, the most common place for fear, worry, stress, frustration, heartache, all these things, that's the most common place for it is when we're in the middle. Not afterwards, because afterwards we look back and go, oh, okay, now I see. And you say, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why I got so worked up over this. But we do, because we're human, and it's human nature to do that. Here's the deal. In the middle of the storm is also the greatest place for a miracle to be birthed. And that's the thing God's looking at. He wants to perform miracles in our lives. And the miracles that we see, sometimes what we're asking and hoping, maybe they look a little different. I think there's, at times, reality is we don't even want to go to church. Sometimes we just get in this place of, man, God, you've let me down. I don't want to be around people. I don't, I don't want anything. At times, we, maybe we don't even see the evidence that God even loves us or cares for us. That's kind of our human thought process and human nature for us. At times, just go, God, I don't see you in this at all. And you know what? He's not upset with you asking that question, by the way, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He allows us to rant and rave a little bit because he's a God that has all the fruit of the Spirit working in his life already, right? We don't. So he allows for that for us. And he's like, okay, go ahead, but I've got you. At times we get very frustrated even when we hear somebody else's miracle. Have you ever done that before when you've just been in this thing and and all of a sudden somebody stands up and says, you know, I just have this testimony that God did this great thing. And you're like, sure wish that was me. I don't know. They didn't deserve that. God, I'm, you know, I'm the one that deserved that miracle of all people, you know. So we get to these places like this. God, I've done all these things right. And that person, I mean, they've made every mistake in the book and it looks like you're blessing them. What's going on? We always try to, we're always working up stuff. And God's like, come on, it's okay, I got everything. So often we think we know everything about every situation. We don't know. We don't know what the person next to us is going through or person sitting across the room. We don't know. We don't know everything. And so we have to trust God in our situation. Here's a scripture that helps us too with these things, by the way. Romans 12, 15. Be happy with those who are happy. Yeah, really. We need to do that. If somebody's happy, we need to be happy for them. Because it's so often, I think, it seems to happen a lot, I think, with Christians. It's like when somebody, something good happens in somebody's life, we just like, well, good for you, you know. <laughs> you know, it, it, we just don't, we're not happy for that person for whatever reason. It's like, God, you need to humble them. They're happy right now. <laughs> and God's, no, no, you, he says, no, you need to be happy with them because I created this happy moment for them. Be happy with them. And what do we also do? We also weep with those who weep. There are people who are hurting. They're weeping. They're going through it. We need to come alongside and just be there and say, I'm here for you. Whatever I can do, I'm here. This is a time, you know, times people are going through things. Like I said, they, maybe they don't go, they stop going to church. They pull away from people who genuinely care for them. They just retreat. They go back and they get into this place of just not feeling good about things. Here's a fact, though. Not every life has a happy ending. Not every story has a happy ending. In fact, the reality is every one of us, unless Christ returns, we're all going to die. That's just a fact. And we're going to witness people in our family, friends, we're going to lose loved ones. It's hard. It's painful. It's not fun to go through. And we all go through these challenging times. But we go through them. So it's some, we're going to all suffer some sort of tragedy in our life. 
or multiple tragedies. So if that's the fact, whether you are a believer in God or not a believer in God, you're going through these things. So the question is, would you rather go through them as an unbeliever or somebody who doesn't believe in God or somebody who really believes and trusts in God and knows that he's there for us and he's carrying us through those things at times? That seems like a pretty good option to me. I've told, I remember telling this one guy talking about the Lord and, and he was like, no, I don't. I don't believe in God. I don't even, that stuff, you know, if he was a good God, he would do this and that. I said, well, what do you have to lose in the sense that why don't you trust him and put your life in his hands? If it doesn't work, what are you out? And the fact that what you're in right now is obviously there's no trust in anything. But I said, give God a chance. Give him a chance because he will come through for us. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. There is a huge benefit of knowing the outcome of something ahead of time. This is something I did or I've done before that made me think about this. So like the Seahawk game, let's say, DVR it or record it because I'm not there or or I'm going to watch it later. And I'm kind of one of those fans who, if they win, I'll go watch it. If they lose, not worth my time if I know what happens in the game. Well, it's very interesting. I would know that they won, but I could be sitting next to somebody who didn't know they won. They didn't want to know, and they're watching the game, and they're stressing out. I know in the end they win, even though they're down by two touchdowns in the third quarter. I have no stress. I am sitting here enjoying this, and, you know, there's no sweat. There's no worry. There's no concern, and I'm just thinking inside, you know, they look horrible right now. They look like they're, but I don't care because I know they're going to win this game. And then the person next to me doesn't know that, and they're stressing through. They're getting up and going to the bathroom, going to this and doing that. And I'm like, hmm. But that's what it's like for us in our Christian walk. We get like that. If we knew what God already was thinking or planning ahead for us, if we knew, it'd be so much easier. And sometimes he lets us in on those things. But, you know, and he gives us promises like he gave to Abraham, but yet everything seemed to not be going the direct. He gives promises We just have a hard time buying in, and we question, and we have all these things and all the concerns. I think the other thing, though, too, is the reason why God doesn't let us in on everything in our life ahead of time, because we would like that. God, just tell me. So, you know, just let me know how this is going to turn out, God. And the reality is that's cool if it's a good outcome, but sometimes there's an outcome that that we're not going to like the outcome of it. And if God told us ahead of time, that this particular, you would go through this particular tragedy, it would paralyze you. It would paralyze me. We wouldn't pursue whatever that is we're going to pursue. We wouldn't get married. We wouldn't have kids. We, all these things we wouldn't do because knowing that at down the road, this tragedy would happen if we knew that. So in that, we have to trust him. And when we have to trust him so much that when we get to that place where there's something that happens in our life, that we can say, Lord, I trust you. You know the, uh, I can't remember his name right offhand, but the gentleman who wrote the song, It Is Well, if you know the story about that, amazing. You know, he had a son that died, and then he had sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to Europe, I believe, and his wife was the only survivor, and then she made contact with him, let him know, so he jumps on a boat, and as he's passing where this boat sank, the ship sank, where his daughters died, he wrote this song. It is well with my soul. And you think about, man, how faithful God is in the midst of those things. Yeah. It blows our mind, but it shows us how much he cares. And, and when we trust him, 
It's hard. It's hard. The delays come in our life. What do you do with this verse? Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And I looked at this verse and I said, but Lord, not everything works out for good. And I looked at it again. It doesn't say everything works together for good. It says everything works together for the good of those. And, and there's something that God sees that's beyond the natural here on earth. There's something eternal that, he's, that he has in this verse that we miss. The calling here is spoken by the apostle in working with people, talking about an everlasting purpose. There's an everlasting purpose that God has in our life. Before the foundation of the world was laid, before anything happened, God decreed and he declared that his son going to the cross was going to free us from all of the evil, all of the curse, all of those things. But that is the everlasting purpose of God. It was something everlasting that was going to happen and transpired. Paul actually had the discussion in this whole the tension bet between the reality of here on earth and our human experience and divine promise that we have for eternity. And he assures believers that God is working for the ultimate good for all of us. The ultimate good for all of us. So we know that's coming, that's happening. But our human experience, so often we see things don't turn out so well for us at times. But ultimately, God says all things work together for the good. For those of us, we're called according to its purpose. There's something that he's looking at to bring us to this place. I don't want to go into the story of Joseph because it's very, very long, the Old Testament story. But when you're talking about divine delays, Joseph was the first thing that came to my mind. We're talking divine delays, and there's so many things that happen. And uh, with his dad starting out, gives him this fancy coat. His brothers didn't like it because Jacob loved Joseph more than his other brothers. And he's favoring him, and he gives him this coat. And so his brothers hate him because he has this coat. Joseph, he has this dream, and so he tells his brothers because he's just a young teenager, and he tells the brother, hey, I had this dream. You guys are going to bow down to me or, you know, that kind of thing. Well, that ticked him off. <laughs> Jacob sends his brother, or Joseph, to check on his brothers, and they go, and they decide, we're going to kidnap him. We're going to throw him in this hole in the ground. We're going to kill him. But then they decide, no, we won't kill him. We'll stage it as an animal attacked him. So they dip some goat blood on his coat and send it back to his dad, like, oh, you know, too bad Joseph's gone. Well, they sell him into slavery because they didn't like him got rid of him. And so he was purchased by Potiphar, who was an officer for Pharaoh in Egypt. And ultimately then Joseph gets put in charge of everything in Potiphar's house. There's, there's things happening. Well, the dreams, of course, that he told him at that time that they were going to basically bow to him. And he probably shouldn't have said it in that way and all that. But there was a delays of a lot of things that were happening because the reality that was going to eventually happen and there was things that God had planned for Joseph that were incredible, that God spoke to him, but so many things happened along the way that just made it look like this was not ever going to happen. God, why would you ever promise? Why would you ever say these things? Look at this detour. Look at that detour. And so when Joseph gets put in charge of everything at Potiphar's house, then the enemy starts working, right? So Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph many times, and he rejects it and rejects it, and finally she... Gets in a little tussle, grabs his coat, and he runs off. And so she claims that he tried to rape her. So then, of course, Potiphar doesn't like that, of course, so he gets thrown in prison. And you can imagine Joseph thinking, man, 
this isn't what I signed up for. I mean, there was a false accusation. I didn't do this thing. Here I'm going through all this process, God. I thought that, that I was supposed to be like, you were going to make me great or something good was going to happen in my life, but here I'm sitting in prison for something I didn't even do. Yes. <laughs> and so the Bible says that the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So there was favor that was still on his life, and everywhere he went, favor began to rise because Joseph still had his heart turned toward God, and still he wasn't, even though he probably had a lot of questions, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. This is kind of incredible. It's, it's a strange thing, but this is what happened. And so he rises up to become kind of leading all the prisoners. And then, of course, then we know that Pharaoh's, he had a cupbearer and a baker that were serving Pharaoh, and Pharaoh became very angry with them, and he put them in prison where Joseph was, and, and they both ended up being there for quite a while, and then they had dreams <laughs> in the prison. And so the cupbearer and the baker had these dreams, and, the, and Joseph was there to interpret for them, and he says, well, I don't do this, but God does this. And so he interpreted that the cupbearer in three days, he was going to be reinstated in his job to be a cupbearer for the king. For Pharaoh. But the baker, unfortunately for him, in three days he was going to be hoisted up on a, a stake and die. And so that wasn't a good outcome for him. Sure enough, both of those things happen. The cupbearer goes back, and as Joseph tells the cupbearer, hey, make sure that you tell Pharaoh I'm here in prison, just kind of rotting away here, and let him, you know, let him know I'm here. I'd like to get out of here. Oh, yeah, no problem. Well, time goes on, and he totally forgot all about it. A couple years later, the cupbearer didn't tell Pharaoh, and a couple years later, Pharaoh has, has a couple dreams. And so the cupbearer's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I remember this guy a couple years ago in prison. He interpreted my dream, and he might be able to do that for you too. And so he ends up interpreting these dreams for Pharaoh about the famine that was coming. Uh, there was going to be seven years of, of a lot of prosperity and then followed by seven years of famine. So there's all this stuff that was going on. And so... Joseph interpreted those, and sure enough, then Joseph gets put in charge of, he gets pulled out of prison, he gets put in charge of everything in Egypt. He gets carte blanche to everything. He's overseeing everything. So Pharaoh sends everybody to Joseph. If anybody wants anything, go through Joseph. You think, man, that's incredible <laughs> how this is happening. And so you go through this whole process, and so then Joseph's brother, because of the famine, eventually they come to Egypt to buy grain, and they don't recognize Joseph. He recognizes them. He loads them up with grain, sends them back. He puts the money back on, and they go back and come, and they realize, man, we've got this money. Uh-oh, we're going to be in trouble. They go back, and then Joseph is, he's kind of, I wouldn't say playing this game, but he's, he's doing something here to get some attention of his brothers. So they make him bring his, his younger brother there to get more grain and food. And then he puts the silver chalice in Benjamin's bag and sends it back to make it look like he stole it. And all that. So it was all these things that were going on. And so it was kind of they were being set up for this whole thing. But they end up, what kind of happened or was the dream at the very beginning when he was a teenager. Now all of these years later, they come back and they say, we'll be your slave. We'll bow down to you. We'll do anything you want. And then eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And so after their, their dad died, Joseph, after he went to bury his dad, he came back to Egypt with his brothers and now that their father's dead, the brothers were pretty fearful of, like, what's going to happen? Now Joseph's going to pay us back. 
for all the things that we did to him, all the wrong things we did. So if we look at, I just want to read a few verses here in Genesis chapter 50, just starting in verse 16. This is where Joseph's brothers were. So they sent this message to Joseph. Uh, The brothers did. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. So this is the point here of the divine delay and God's purpose in it. Because Joseph could have said, that was a horrible thing that I had to go through. Man, I, all of this bad stuff that I had to go through. But his heart, when he came out of it and began to see the purpose behind and what God was doing, and all the way through, he stayed true to God. And he told his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God intended it for good. And it was much bigger than him. He says, he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Many people. So the fact that there's a bigger picture for your delay. There's something God is doing that's much bigger than you. In fact, it could be that maybe it's a a financial thing you're, you're involved with or something where there's delay and it's frustrating. God, why didn't that get taken care of? And you get down the road three, four, five, six months, a year later, and finally it breaks free and breaks loose for you. And you look back and go, God, I'm so glad you delayed this thing. Because it just saved me $50,000 that I would not have known back then. But now, because of this situation, maybe laws changed the uh, interest rates or just whatever it was, something changed, regulations in the city, whatever it is, there's purpose in delay. And so then we go, oh, God, I don't know why I was so frustrated and uptight about this. All along, you knew you had my back. You were favoring me because it's much bigger than us. Because whatever he can get through us, he'll get to us. And he knows that his kingdom needs to be established and expanded. And so he does that through us. And if he can expand our resources or whatever that is, that's a win for him because he knows there's more people to be reached because his heart is for people. His heart is for people. And so just like this, it was a bigger picture thing for Joseph. He realized I was able, because of what I went through, I I got to help be involved in helping literally thousands and thousands of people versus just caring about myself and and my colored jacket that my dad gave me, you know, and being prideful of whatever that is. So there was something that we need to understand about divine delay in our life. We see two wills at work here with this story with Joseph and his brothers. We see Joseph's brothers, they perpetuated evil in this. That was a will that wasn't a good will that was getting involved in this. And then we see that God successfully brought good out of what was intended for evil, the will of God and the evil that came together in this. But God's sovereignty worked in through the whole thing. He's sovereign. And so he takes whatever, whatever happened, whether it was Potiphar's wife or whatever happened when he was in jail, all these things that were meant to destroy, God turned them sovereignly 
to benefit the kingdom of God, to benefit what he was wanting to do. So anytime that the enemy's up to something in your life, remember the sovereignty of God is much more powerful than that. And if we go to him, if we're constantly in communication with him and trusting him and, and letting go when we're in the middle, when we're in the middle of our, our stuff, then God begins to work and we get to let that go. We see that the dramatic reversal in, the, in what happened for Joseph and God's good purposes were fulfilled in that. Yeah, yeah. I just want to read one more scripture in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 9. It says this, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. How many believe God has a good plan? Amen. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Our plans aren't always good. We think they're good, but they're not when we find out his plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. I don't know about you, but I want to be in his plan. I want his will to be done in my life. And I believe that if we're praying right and our heart is right in our prayers, we want to pray will of God prayers. I don't want to pray will of Steve prayers. I have my will. And I see what I would like to do. But if I, I have to align my prayers with his will and his promises. So that's important for us. Because as was read this morning in the Bible that Caleb read, God, whatever we ask of him, according to his will, he gives us, he hears us, he gives us, he wants to do those things. But if we're aligned with him, our prayers will be his will prayers, will of God prayers. So as we're praying, say, God, this is what I'm, you know, this is my human thinking. This is what I think. But God, I want what you think. I want what you have in store. And God, I'm in the middle of my delay right now, God, and I'm trusting you in that delay. Whatever that is, I'm trusting you, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now for each one of us here today. I know every one of us, we, we are either in or we've been or we're going into that period of time where we just, it sounds like, seems like things are just delayed or they're going the wrong direction or we're not getting answers for whatever that is we're asking for. But God, we are asking for you, your divine intervention for our delays, God, whatever those are, that you, you're intervening, God. You already have the end from the beginning. And we're praying, God, that our hearts would be so in tune with you, we'd be so turned to you, Lord, that we could fully trust you, fully trust you in the process. You already have all the answers. You, you've already determined the things that you have in store for us but they're much bigger. They're much, much bigger. As Joseph declared, so much bigger than what we ever anticipated in our own minds for ourselves. And we know they include others in that process. They include you and they include others. So speak to us, Lord. So our hearts are turned towards you. Thank you, God, that you are in the middle. in the middle everything that's going on
You're in the middle of our delay. But it's not a delay to you. (laughs) It's just part of your heart, part of the purpose. We trust you today. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song as we close this morning. And just, I just ask each one, wherever you're at this morning, you know where you're at in your situation. You know where you're at in your delay, your problem, your situation, whatever it is. Just surrender to God. Lord, I surrender it all to you. Lord, your will, your will, God. I believe we're going to see some incredible testimonies as we, as things unfold in our lives. See those things happen as God is declaring today over each one of us. He does. He has good things in store. Amen. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 